Hallelujah. Amen. And as we had mentioned last week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different this morning. We're going to be spending some time at the altar in anointing, and we will share with you a bit in how that's going to work. But before we begin that, we're just going to open our hearts to him and allow him to speak to us this morning. Let's just stand together if we would, and let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you so much for your anointing, for your unction, for your sealing power, your healing power that we're going to look at today. We thank you, we thank you again that we are your disciples, that you have drawn us close to you and that we are in your presence. And this morning we want to set aside everything else in the world, all the stuff that might be happening, good week, bad week, looking forward to a good week or a bad week, we don't know. All we know is that you're here and you're here to heal and deliver and set free. And we're going to open ourselves to that as we listen to your voice. Bless us as we share together and as we listen to the voice of your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's worship together. I sing praises to your name. Praises to your name. The name that's so much higher than all names. We've come to honor you, Jesus, and all
Oh God, how I need 
you're going to have an opportunity to spend some time in his presence to receive a touch from him, whatever you might need. But you may be seated for right now. And we're continuing our journey to Resurrection Sunday. Last week we talked about Jesus as our Savior. And today Vivian's going to read about Jesus, our healer. Jesus, our healer, when he was on earth, Jesus reached out to touch the leper, the diseased, and the impure, signaling his willingness and power to heal. Even in the Old Testament, God revealed himself as Yahweh Rophika, or the eternal who heals. To heal is to restore and to cure. 
not only in the physical sense, but in the moral and spiritual sense also. Jesus heals us body, soul, and spirit. When Jesus Christ became sin for us, all uncleanliness was transferred to him. Those who believe in Christ's name will be saved and become sons of God in the fullest sense. They trust in, rely upon, and conduct their lives according to what God is, what Jesus Christ is. He is Lord, he is Master, he is Savior, he is Healer, he is Creator, he is Shepherd, he is Lawgiver, and he is Faithful. Would you please stand and let us read out loud together? God's kingdom was the theme of Jesus, that beginning right now they were under God's good government. He also healed people of their diseases and of the bad effects of their bad lives. People brought anybody with a sickness, whether mental, emotional, or physical. Jesus healed them, one and all. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to continue to worship, but we're going to start. I'm going to ask the elders and deacons if they'll come forward. We are going to, oh, Steve is here. Keep Steve in prayer. Uh, many of you know his mother passed away, and uh, the viewing will actually be this afternoon. We'll give you that information later, but it's good to see you, brother. No other place to be, huh? Yep. Everybody just grab, a, grab an oil. And we're going to begin by anointing each other. The deacons and elders are going to anoint each other, myself included, Pastor Steve. And then when we're done anointing each other, I'm going to invite everybody just to, whoever wants to, just come forward. If you can't come forward, raise your hand. We'll get to you. If you want prayer, we'll pray for you. If you just want to be anointed, and touched and come to the altar and pray, you could do that too. Whatever you want to do. If you want to remain in your seats, that's up to you as well. Let's just take this time and worship the Lord. And especially, could I say one more thing? I, as I say, I don't plan these songs, but uh, Pastor Steve is going to sing a song. Now is the time. Now is the time when true worshipers will worship him. So this is the time, folks. We're heading into some stuff we don't even know about. Now's the time. Now's the time. Let's worship him. This is the time when true worshipers worship him. These are the when my father's ways will be known to men, this is the hour when the spirit's
You are 
sense it, just open your heart. There's a wonderful anointing here, and I believe he wants to do something special in each of our lives. He wants to give a special unction, a special anointing, a special touch. So receive from him right now, whatever it is, body, soul, spirit. Just begin to receive from him as you worship him. Hallelujah, Lord. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Praises to your name, oh Lord, for your name is great and great. Sing praises to your 
you're declaring an anointing over your body right now in these last days a special anointing without the anointing without that unction without that sealing without that protection without that provision we would have nothing there is none like you there is nothing else aside from you there is nothing else but you it is only you so right now we receive an anointing in the name of Jesus we speak to the fowler we speak to the 
prosecutor of our spirit who is Satan. We speak to the enemy of our souls. We speak to society that wants to destroy. We speak to all of these things that are happening right now. And we say in the name of Jesus, we receive your anointing, your protection, your anointing over our food, over our clothing, over our shelter, that we will not lack one thing in the days ahead. That, Father, as the Egyptians' cattle begins to wither and die, the the cattle of God's people will get fatter and stronger every day. We speak to bank accounts right now, Father God. We speak to the windows of heaven and command them to open and pour out provision right now. We don't care what the gas prices are. We don't care what the inflation inflation says. We're going to receive a special... We pray right now for filled gas tanks in the name of Jesus. We pray right now for for paid electric bills, for paid gas bills. We're going to believe that you're going to provide in ways that we could never understand out of the blue. As it were, manna shall fall from heaven and give provision to your people, Father God. We believe it and we receive it because we have never had anything outside of your hand anyway, so why should it change now? So we thank you for your touch, for your anointing. And help us in the days ahead to see that there is none like you in our lives. There is none like you. Say that to him. No one else. No one else can touch my heart like you do. Hallelujah, Lord. I could search for all eternity. Say that one more time. There is none like you. There is none like you. No one else. No one else. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search. I could search for all eternity, Lord, and and find. many of us have searched and searched and searched. We've searched in a relationship and it wasn't there. We've searched and we went all the way to the bottom of the Jack Daniels and it wasn't there. We went to our next empty syringe and it wasn't there. We went to our next dollar bill and it wasn't there. Suddenly we realized that we could search everywhere and it's only in Jesus. There is none like him. Oh, give him praise. There's none like him. Hallelujah. And Father, we want to lift up to you, uh, just touch Steve around him and Steve's family. His mom passed away Friday afternoon. And we're just going to believe the Lord will strengthen him as well. We know he already is. Father, we thank you that those that die in the Lord are blessed. They cease from their labors and their works do follow them. Talking with Steve, he said his, his mom was one that did know the Lord. So we thank you for that. And we just ask, Father, that you'll touch the entire family today, tomorrow, as the services go on. That, Father, you'll strengthen the hearts, strengthen their minds, strengthen their spirits. The time of loss, we know what it's like, but we know that your Holy Spirit is there. And we sorrow not even as others who have no hope. We have hope this morning, and we thank you for that. Again, Father, for your touch on everybody in this place, all of our families, our children, we receive that touch, that anointing, that blessing, Father. 
as you minister your life to them. We thank you for what you're going to do in all of our lives as we keep our eyes on you and concentrate on you being the only one, the only, only one. We thank you. We'll receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. sink here a bit, but we'll give you a minute. You know, we're going to be finishing up with uh, our thoughts on disciples today, and that's what a true disciple says, basically, is I, I have nobody else other than my leader. That's why I'm his follower. I'm his disciple. So we need to move more deeply into that discipleship in these last days. Uh, Because we are going to need him more and more and more. Hallelujah. Amen. Charles, we ask a blessing on the offering. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Kids, you may be dismissed as well. Hallelujah. We, um, <clears throat> the uh, nursery and kids are open. We just had everybody in here just for this special time. So <clears throat> you, can, you, can, you can follow my wife like the Pied Piper. And, <laughs> and hallelujah. Everybody else, take your Bibles. We actually started in um, Matthew, the fifth chapter. And we were talking about the disciples and when Jesus opened his mouth to begin to speak, uh, that he spoke to his disciples that came and sat. Oh, and by the way, um, the viewing for uh, Steve's mom is tonight, five to seven at Cunningham Becker. The one in Poland, okay, just a little bit off of 224 heading toward Struthers. Okay, that's 5 to 7, and tomorrow morning the uh, service will be 11 o'clock at St. Nick's in Struthers. So if you wanted to pay your respects, you can do that. Uh, Hallelujah. I'm going to actually have you open to John 13, um, and I'll just reference uh, in a moment Matthew 5 again, but that's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount where we learn all sorts of things about how to be good human beings and be good disciples of Jesus. And if you want the, it's interesting in scripture, there are some passages of scripture that are really uh, intricate and confusing, could I say, to, to follow. (laughs) They're, they're really deep and you have to really work your way down into them. Um, And they're a blessing. Then there are some things like the Sermon on the Mount which are so easy to understand. There's, you know, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. It's just easy to understand. But it's the hardest things in Scripture. (laughs) Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are probably the hardest things in Scripture to do. Wow. You just read through it. Go the extra mile. Give your coat. Pray for those who persecute you, etc., etc. When you give, give in silence and secret. Wow. So many things. Fasting's even in there. 
Ooh, Lord, help us. <clears throat> Fasting, that means no donuts, Frank, at all. <sighs> um, and so, so he begins his message to his disciples, and they, they gathered around him. We talked about how the, a true disciple will follow his leader and will sit and listen carefully. And when the disciples sat and listened to Jesus, I like what the word says, and he taught them. In other words, he gave them principles. He gave them concepts, guide, ideas, guidelines. And that's, uh, to some extent, what the word is, uh, you know, in, in your office at work or at your company or whatever, you probably have a policy manual, and that's good. That policy manual was written uh, by individuals who were probably uh, knowledgeable. It probably was built over a number of years. It's the not the perhaps best way to do things, and it can change, but it's a, a good way to do things, and people have learned how to do it over the years. And that's really what the Word is to us, too. The Word is a living companion <clears throat> to bless us, and to shape us and to mold us, but it is also a guide guidebook too, as well, to help us uh, to walk in the best way that we should walk. And and I've always found in my life too, uh, one of the most difficult things is not to do what is good or what is even better. But the most difficult thing is to do the best thing. We're seeking the best thing and the best way, and that's that can be very difficult. And that's where the word comes in. And uh, the more we have this word in us, because it's a living being, when we read this word and, and meditate on this word, we suddenly draw life into us. Uh, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And Jesus said in John 6, the words I have spoken to you, they are spirit and life. That's what separates this book from every other book ever written. This book is spirit and it is life. I love uh, Philippians, the second chapter. It was actually my father's uh, theme verse, uh, holding fast the word of life. I think when he first started evangelistic ministry, that was his theme, holding fast the word of life, which fast there means in the King James to give attention to, to pay close attention to. So this is our word of life. So we have to hold fast to it. We have to pay attention to it. So this word also becomes a plumb line for us. Uh, it measures us. I love Revelation, the 11th chapter, when, there, when John says, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. So none of us can escape it, can we? When the Lord measures us, he doesn't just measure the property lines of a man community church, then he measures the building, then he measures the altar. It'd be great if he stopped there and we didn't get measured. <laughs> Guess what? It goes, the plumb line goes all the way down into each one of our hearts. The word measures us, and, and we respond to that measuring. It becomes our measuring stick, our guideline, our plumb line, and sometimes we get out of plumb, don't we? Yeah, we, we are leaning a little way this way, or we're leaning a little bit that way, or we're tilting a little bit. Sometimes, you know the expression, he's just plumb wrong. That's what the expression comes from. The plumb was totally off. <laughs> sometimes we are just plumb wrong, and we get back to this, and, and the plumb line starts to set us straight again. And, and that's what it's all about. So the true disciple, of course, once again says, Lord, be it unto me, even as thy word. Let your plumb line drop here. Let your test come right here. 
And we found out that a disciple is one who continues in the word and forsakes all others. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Last week, we talked about bearing our cross and then in doing so, bearing much fruit. Because out of death always comes life for the believer. And today we're going to see that uh, a true disciple is filled with love and filled with power. Filled with love and filled with power. This is where we want to look at John the 13th chapter and head down to, uh, let's start in verse uh, 31. We'll read the whole paragraph. John 13, verse 31. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say it to you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then you could put in parentheses, impossible, okay, and then keep going, (laughs) that you also may love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Of course, we're not going to be able to love each other like Jesus loves us. That's just impossible, this side of heaven. Won't it be wonderful in heaven when we will? When all personalities will be gone, the past will be gone, everything will be gone, we'll just love perfectly. That love will flow through us perfectly. But until then, our goal is to love. As a disciple, the goal is to be like the master. So our goal is to love like Jesus loved. So let's look at that first one. The, the, the first one we're studying today is to be filled with love. A disciple is filled with love. And again, this is what sets a disciple of Jesus apart from a disciple of Buddha, a disciple of uh, Islam, a disciple of whomever or whatever is a disciple of Jesus should be a loving person. That doesn't mean they're mushy. It doesn't mean they're a doormat, but it means that they have a certain type of deep love for people around them. And it's an amazing thing that Jesus said. He said, I did not come to destroy the prophets or the law, but to fulfill it. And then in my fulfillment of the law and the prophets, that is he being the perfect sacrifice, in my fulfillment of that, Now, I'm going to issue a brand new commandment. Number 11, here it comes. (laughs) I did the first 10 for you. Everybody say hallelujah. (sighs) What a load off our minds. Now, I'm going to give you the 11th, and that is that you love one another as I have loved you. It's the royal law of love. Now, we could, we could speak for hours and hours about love. I mean, my goodness. Uh, but the fundamental truths are very simple. The word says that God is love. That's the essence of his being. That's actually one of the only passages <clears throat> that gives the essence of God or the nature of God that simply. God is love. He is a judge. He is a ruler. He is a king. He is a blah, blah, blah. But the actual essence of his being is love itself. And so that's, that's our God. Love is listed as the greatest virtue along with faith and hope. But then at the end, Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 13 that the greatest of all these is love. The other two are going to pass away. Love is the only thing that are going to remain. So if you look at these two instances, you have to come to realize that biblical love is much different than the love that we know now. God is not, a, is not a man, so his love obviously is not a sexual love. It can't be an emotional love. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm glad that he's never fickle like we are and falls in and out of love. Wow. Paul elevates love to a new level, even greater than faith and hope. So first of all, we understand that love is not an emotion. And we all know pretty much of this, but it's, it's a good, good reminder for us. It's an act of the will. 
Love is an act of the will. Uh, <clears throat> for those of you who have been married for any length of time, you know it's an act of the will. I had an old brother that I think uh, he had celebrated his 50th or something, and they're, they're all home with the Lord now. But, but uh, I said, well, brother, that's quite a, quite a testimony. And, and I said, what, any, any secrets to this? And he said, well, all I can tell you, Pastor, is there are some mornings you're going to wake up and you're not going to feel married, but you better act married. <laughs> How true. <clears throat> Love is an action. It's a verb. In, in essence, it's to do good, to be benevolent to all, to think the best of everyone, to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things. Love never gives up, as we understand. And when you read 1 Corinthians 13, remember the context of Corinthians. Paul was writing to a church that was filled with sexual sin, filled with all sorts of division, and Paul said, That's not God's love. That's not it. God's love is agape love. It's the highest love. It's not a physical attraction. It's not a flushed feeling in the cheek. It's not giddiness. It's not enjoyment. It's not showing favoritism. It is an act of the will to do good. It's an act of the will to do good to all that you meet. And that's why a true disciple is ready to share, is ready to bless and to give, to serve one another, not just the ones you like. Now, I know you all like everybody, <laughs> but, but it's an act of the will to do. And when we operate in God's love, immediately we see how much pro- more profound and how much deeper it is, how much more intense it is, uh, that the emotional and stuff and the good feelings pass away very quickly, but that love is so deep. When we act in love, especially to somebody that we don't like or somebody that's hurting us, we find out how deep agape love really is it's a profound thing it is very deep and very profound uh now we we can look at jesus we uh, he of course is our example and and we could say when he was on the cross he said father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing it sure looked like they knew what they were doing i mean they held a mock court case they convicted him they sent him through all the proper channels Everything that the soldiers did to him it didn't seem like, oh, sorry, <laughs> didn't know my whip was going to go there. Oh, you mean that nail went through your hand? I'm sorry, I didn't mean that to happen. It seemed like they were very intentional in what they did. They stripped him, they spit on him, they made fun of him, they pulled out his beard. My goodness, the demoralization that occurred. But he said, forgive them. That's, what kind of love is that? That's amazing. No human, billing, uh, no human being has the ability to love at such a level. No one can stir up that kind of love and forgiveness. That's, this love is birthed in a place that is much different than this realm. It is birthed in heaven. It is nurtured by the word. It's kindled with a heart that's filled with the spirit of God. Now, now you could say, well, yeah, but that, that was Jesus, though. That was Jesus. I mean, we understand that. Well, sometime you can go ahead and read Acts, the seventh chapter, right? Jewish leaders were stung to fury by the words of a man named Stephen, a deacon. That's why, you know that song, uh, uh, that that old song, send Judah first and the battle will be won. Remember that one? Well, around here, it's send the deacons first. (laughs) The deacons are all just looking at me, smiling, saying, yeah, he's, 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 he's. But, but they, they, he preached with such authority. 
And, and, and they mobbed him. They dragged him outside of the city. Not a few feet, not a few yards, but hundreds of yards through the dirt. As they're dragging him, the, the thoughts that were going through his mind. My wife, my children, my family, Lord, take care of them. I'm, I, this is it. I'm going to be done. And they're dragging him and they're spitting at him and hissing at him. And they threw those murderous stones as they came hurling at him. He knelt and he said, just what Jesus said, Lord, don't lay this sin to their charge. What kind of love is that? A man would die at the hands of his accusers, and instead of gnashing his teeth and spitting out blasphemies, he's saying, forgive them. Forgive them. That's, that's not an emotional love, folks. That's not a friendship love. That's not a happy, happy, feel-good love. That is not that. That's divine love that can only come from the Holy Spirit inside of us. You can only have that love if you are born again, if Jesus is your Savior. Why? Because when you were born again, you were born with, as the word says, the incorruptible seed, the spore of God. His essence became part of your essence and has begun to change you. You will be what you are by birth. If you're born a communist, you're going to be a communist, probably. If you're born an American, you're going to be an American. If you're born an Italian, you're going to like food. (laughs) If you're born a German, you're going to try to take over the world. It's just what you do. It's part of your essence. (laughs) If you're born again, you are going to be what God is. The essence of him is inside you. So he is love. So you know what's great about this? The second birth always erases the first birth. (laughs) Now, not permanently, that's coming. But the seed, the essence of the gospel and that second birth erases that first birth. The old is gone and you have now become a new creation, a new creature. And there's that that whole process of him birthing those things inside of you. It's that divine love. Let me tell you something, folks. Husbands, that's the kind of love you need for your wives. And the wives say amen. Husbands, (laughs) wives, that's the kind of love you need for your husbands. And the husbands say amen. Parents, that's the kind of love we need for our children. Church, that's the kind of love we need for each other. I was talking to somebody a while back, and I I invited them to church, and I was talking to a friend uh, of theirs as well. And I said, oh, I I invited them to church. They're not going anywhere for for quite a while. And and we were actually texting, and he texted back, and he said, yeah, yeah, a lot of hurts and things like that. You know about my Lowe's ladder, right? We won't go there again. For those of you who don't know what that is, ask somebody. But I texted back, and I said, yeah, me too. And yeah, you too, but how come you're still in church? Yeah, all of us. I, as a matter of fact, if you were to say to me, I've never been hurt by anybody in church, I would scratch my head and think, wow, there's something wrong there. <laughs> we all get hurt. But, but was it worse than what happened to Stephen? I don't think so. So... This love is divine, and believe me, it can erase every hurt, every trial, every difficulty. It is divine in its power and its authority. And the second thing is that love has a sacrificial attitude. And, and don't worry, we're going to get to the power part in a few minutes, so don't worry, we're getting there. But it has a sacrificial. No greater love can any man have than, the, than this, that he lay down his life for his brother. Now, we often think that that's a, a reference to dying. 
that oh, this person will die for that person and will die for them. And, and that is probably true, but I think we need to take it one step further. How about living for a person or a cause instead of dying for the person or cause? How many know how much harder that is? <laughs> living is much harder. Uh, my wife can die for me in one painful event, but how much more love will it take for her to live with me for the next 30 or 40 years? Don't answer that. Don't even say amen. Well, I'll die for you, Jesus. Yes, I'll die for you. Well, how about you live for me first? Every day, 24 hours. Tomorrow morning when you get up, keep living. Today, keep living. Keep living. Go back to work tomorrow. Pray for that boss. If you're a boss, go back to work and treat people the way you should treat them, with dignity and respect. How, how much harder is that? I remember talking with a pastor years ago. We used to, to meet for, for prayer, and one of the pastors, Pastor Julius was his name, and he was retired from General Motors, but while his last 10 or 15 years at GM, he also pastored a, a church uh, in, in the inner city, and uh, then, then he retired and was in full-time ministry. And he, we were talking about this, about living, and, and he said, and those of you who... I was going to say those of you who work at GM would know this, but now everybody knows it. The, the, the world out there is just so stupidly sick. I mean, you know. And he said, he said this. It was very interesting. He said, you know, the first 27 years at GM, I really had no problems. Now, that's quite a statement. That shows you how laid back this guy was. 27 years, I had no problem. The last three years at GM, I had the most horrible boss that ever existed he hurt everybody every day. He was angry. He was vengeful. He lied. He connived. He, it was horrible. And he said, I took it to the Lord. And I started off by praying, Lord, please just kill him. <laughs> you know, those prayers never really work, do they? Lord, can't you move him to another department? Lord, can't you send him over there? Lord, can you put him on another shift? Lord, can you do... He prayed and prayed and prayed. And he says, you know what? Nothing happened. Then all of a sudden, went back to Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) And he said, the Lord convicted my heart. He said, I began to treat him nicely. I began to treat him kindly. I was considerate. I turned the other cheek. I offered to help him. I did not like him, but I learned to love him. And you know, the interesting thing was, he didn't change one bit. But guess who did change? Julius changed. And guess who's going to get the reward in heaven? Not the foreman, not the boss. Julius. Oh, that's hard though. But that goes back to the heart of a, a disciple, doesn't it? That goes back to the heart of who we are. A true disciple says, Lord, I'm yours. Everything I've got, everything I am, always and forever, I'm yours. I will live for him who died for me. How happy then my soul shall be. How many know that song? Kathy, do you know that song? Oh, Lord. <laughs> 
I'll live for him who died for me. If you know it, sing real loud. How happy then my soul shall be. I'll live for him who died for me, my Savior and my Lord. Right? Let's try it. I'll live for him who died for me. How happy then, how happy then my soul shall be. I'll live for him. I'll live for him who died for me, my Savior, my Savior, and my Lord. Oh, that's what it's all about, folks. Sing that again and again. Tomorrow morning, start singing it. That's it. That's the song of a disciple. Aunt Pauline, you knew that one. Yeah, My mother knew that one. Who knew that one? Only the old people knew it. <laughs> Mikey's pointing at me. Not wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> See, we're manifesting agape love, the God kind of love that is assigned to the world. Our agape love, when we're standing there in front of those loveless, hateful people, our agape love shows that Jesus is still alive. It shows that Jesus is still alive in people. That Jesus is not alive in a temple or a mosque or a church or a religion or a denominational headquarters. When we behave like him, the world stands back and says, wait a minute, Jesus is still alive in these kooky people. How can that be? This love is in their hearts. This love is in hearts of flesh. This love is touched by his amazing grace. This love is undying. It's everlasting. It's unchanging. It's irreversible. It is unconquerable. Do you know how many times the world has tried to conquer Jesus? And every time they do, they fail. This this love to, to... understand this love, this uncommon earthly kind of love passes our understanding. But here's the good news about this. The good news is that this love, this unbelievable love that we have filled with his love, it also then fills us with power. There's an interesting relationship. You would think that we would need to have something that would generate something real high and then the power flows. No, no, it's the other way. When we are down, down, down low and abased further and further and under his control as a disciple, the lower we get, the higher we get, right? The more we die, the more we become alive. The more we hold on, the less we have. The more we let go, the more he gives us. And the more the power begins to flow and we get more and more authority. Jesus called his 12 disciples and he gave them power against unclean spirits. Matthew the 10th chapter. But then in Luke the 9th chapter, the word says that he gave his disciples power and authority over all the power of the enemy. That speaks of two things. In Matthew, the, the power is echousia. It's authority, like a policeman with his badge. In, in Luke, the power is dynamic ability. It's explosive power and explosive energy. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power, authority, explosive energy to become the sons of God, to those that believe on his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will 
will of man, but of God. This unearthly, uncommon love that sent Jesus to the cross birthed in us an unearthly and uncommon power and authority. The love that sent him to the grave birthed a great power that raised him from the dead. It was love and power working together. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, that our faith rests not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Folks, I'll tell you right now, I've I've said it before, you know I, I say a lot of challenging things to the modern church of America right now, but I believe that we have a lot of wisdom of men in the church, we have a lot of wisdom of things in the church, we have a lot of wisdom of structure in the church, but we've got, I believe, too much wisdom and now not enough power. We've got too much knowledge and not enough anointing. We've got too much that we've set in order, but now we can't set people free. We've got too much of one thing. We need more of Jesus right now. We need more of his love and his power. If this is so, then we as disciples have received strength beyond our proficiency. I don't know about you, but every day that I live, I become less proficient in everything I do. And I have to rely more on his strength and proficiency. We have ability that is beyond our potential. We have authority that is beyond our influence. We've been given power and authority to destroy the works of the devil. Folks, I'm believing God's God's leading the church right now in these last days to where we're starting to see that the enemy is not in a building, a place, a person, a thing, a party, a promotion, whatever. The enemy that we're facing is the devil himself and we have been called to destroy his works. That doesn't mean we march on Washington. That doesn't mean we do this or that. That means we take that person at work that's bound by the devil and we set him free in Jesus' name. We take that person that's bound in lies, bound in darkness, bound by a bottle, bound by a drug, bound by whatever, bound by whatever lie, and we work with them until we destroy the works of the devil in their lives. We, we have been given power and authority to win the lost, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to make disciples, in short, to do all the works that Jesus did when he was on the earth. And the devil will try to stomp us out just like he tried to stomp out Jesus. But you know what he did? When he stomped out Jesus and put him in the grave, that seed became the first fruits of many brethren. And out of that grave came life. And that life has now spread to half of the globe. And it's continuing to spread. You have now, instead of one Jesus, you got billions of Jesuses running around doing what he did. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, I, I always like the greatest example of, of revival. I remember from my Bible school days, one of my teachers said, when Satan saw the revival, especially on the day of Pentecost, the fire descend, he took a broom and he tried to swat the fire out. And you know what happens when you take a nice dry broom, you swat the fire, the broom catches fire, and then every place you try to swat the rest of it out, it just catches more fire and more fire. And all you do is spread the fire by your actions more and more. Satan is spreading the fire of the Holy Spirit all across the world right now and it's not going to stop spreading. This is, a, this is all that we have that blessed opportunity. This is a sacred privilege. This is a power privilege. This is the honor that becomes the sons of God, mature, effective, and fruitful disciples. We are perfected products of his new will. We are the peak potential of his new birth. This is the grand portion of the milk and honey that's flowing. 
flowing. This is the land of inheritance. This is the land of blessing and provision. This is where we're filled with love and with power. And right now, all across the world, disciples are spreading this authority, spreading this power, going into dark places and bringing light, going into dead places and bringing life, going into places of lack and filling it up, going into places of dryness and bringing an oasis of water to the desert. We're turning deserts into flowering, blooming places of his provision, all because we're filled with his love and with his power. And the more we're filled with him and the less we're filled with us, the more power we're going to have. Always follows. The less of me, the more of him. And the more of him, the more stuff gets done. Always, always. So we as disciples are continuing in the word. We're forsaking all others because we know who our source is. There is none but him. We're bearing our cross joyfully saying, Jesus, here's my flesh. I'm bearing it every day. We're bearing much fruit as we do. And we're filling our lives with love. And we're filling ourselves with his power. God willing, he's going to make us not just followers in the days ahead. He's going to make us his disciples. And we're going to sit at his feet and learn. Why? So the whole world may know. That's what it's all about. Go, Jesus said, and make disciples. Teach them. Baptize them. Instruct them. And make disciples. You say, well, yeah, so pastor, that's, that's a big job for you, isn't it? It's not my job. It's my job personally. Guess whose job it is to make disciples? You guys. Well, how do I do that? I don't know. Just go do it. (laughs) Do you think the early apostles knew how to do it? No. You go. You love. You teach. You share. You bless. When someone accepts Christ, you take them under your wing. And you tell them what it's like to serve Jesus. And you take them to the Bible. And you read together, and you share together, and you disciple, and you bring them to church, and I preach at them and make them mad, and then you (laughs) tell them what I said. (laughs) It's about discipling each other in these last days, and we'll do it through his love, we'll do it through his power, way beyond what we can ask or even think. Let's just bow our heads. Father, I am consistently and constantly amazed that we are your disciples. I am consistently and constantly amazed that you said through David Verzilli, through the church, through each of us, you're going to speak to principalities and powers in these last days, that you're going to tear down strongholds, that you're going to pull down spiritual uh, spiritual strongholds, spiritual Jerichos. You're going to pull them down brick by brick sometimes, And other times, the entire wall will fall flat. But you're going to do it through us. What an amazing thing to think that everything you did, how you died, how you suffered, how you lived, and as you were ascending, you said, it's all yours now. I'm going to be with you always to the end of the age. But I need your hands, and I need your feet, and I need your mouth, and I need your heart. I need your money, I need your home, I need your car, I need everything. I need you to speak. And Father, we want to be faithful disciples. 
as you speak your word in these last days. Help us keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand together. I remember reading a story years ago. Revival was sweeping through a part of South America, one of the major cities, and thousands were being saved. And in one particular church, people were so enthralled with the gospel that they began putting the titles to their cars in the, in the offering plate. They were putting the deeds to their home in the offering plate. And after church, after a month or so of this, they had collected everything, and, and the elders and the deacons got together and said, Pastor, what are we going to do with all this? And first thing, of course, we said as human beings, we said, oh, we could sell it all and make a lot of money for the church. He said, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to us. He said, almost at once. He said, no, 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 no. You give all that back. What am I going to do with an empty house? What am I going to do with an empty car? He said, no, no, no. I want people in those homes preaching the gospel and leading people to Christ. I want people in those cars bringing people to church, bringing people to events, bringing people to fellowships. I don't want things. I own the cattle on a thousand hill. I own everything. He says, I want the hearts of people. How many know that's what he wants for us in these last days? He wants our hearts. He wants our hearts, and he'll do with us what he wills because we are his disciples. Hallelujah. Go praising him in Jesus' name. Bless him as his disciples. You're dismissed.